Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. is looking for someone to give him a ride to the VA hospital. Uh, those of you that know Matthew's story know that he has to have some procedures done once in a while to kind of keep some things, amen, uh, pain and stuff under control. He has to go to the VA hospital on Friday, and that's in Minneapolis. He's having trouble finding a ride. He has to have a ride because of the procedure that's done. So if anybody is available to do that, amen. I just told him we would make mention of that. Pray for him as well. Amen. I'm sure that he would like a complete healing and wouldn't have to have these uh, procedures done in his, in his life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Uh, we're not done. We're not done with the, the teaching that I was doing on house, uh, house churches and how we use our homes and, and these types of things to reach our communities. We're not done with that. Um, uh, but uh, I believe God is just kind of speaking with some people right now. I, I, I just kind of felt like God wanted me to pause and talking about it for a little bit while he dealt with people individually on that and, uh, and just in making ourselves available. And so I'll just continue to let you talk to the Lord a little bit about that until he tells me to teach about it some more or preach about it some more. Amen? Amen. And uh, Tonight I want to do something... That's a little bit uh, different. Um, we welcome anyone that's watching online. God bless you. We love you very much. Uh, I want to make it clear that I'm not a mental health professional in any way. I have no degree uh, in a medical field that would deal with that. Um, but I do want to talk about mental health a little bit tonight, and I want to do it from a biblical approach. So I do have some ability to do that. Amen. And I just think, I think it's very important. Um, in fact, uh, it was interesting because my wife didn't know what I was teaching tonight. And on the way to church, we were having a conversation about something that uh, just led her to mention that uh, in her work that she does as a chaplain, um, that, the, that that chaplaincy group that she's with, they, they've had their biggest year ever. They've grown in number of chaplains and a number of businesses that have chaplains has just begun to explode. And of course, while they were celebrating that their business and that their, their ministry is growing, they had to acknowledge that it was because more businesses than ever were reaching out, trying to find some help because their employees were dealing with a lot of mental health issues. Now, I don't feel like I need to go into all the reasons why in the last year that mental health has exploded as a man, a, uh, its own type of uh, destructive thing in, in, our, in our nation. But I wanted to just kind of, I wanted to, I just thought that was a little bit of a confirmation in my spirit anyway, that some of the things that God was directing me to this week uh, were what he wanted us to talk about. Um, so I want to look at it from a biblical approach of, of, of how to help either ourselves, depending on who we are here tonight, how we might take some of this, or, or how we might help other people uh, with mental health battles going on in, in their life. Uh, our society has very much been overcome with the mental health attacks that we are facing. 
And uh, all the way back to the beginning months of 2020, uh, there were a lot of people that were screaming, uh, shouting, uh, saying that this was coming. Now, of course, we know that it is here, and it's here in full force, and we're dealing with some very devastating effects of what people have gone through uh, in the last uh, year or more. But I, I, just, I just stumbled across this article in, 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 from the Washington Post. This is all the way back in May uh, of 2020. Can anybody remember May of 2020? <laughs> uh, March, April, May. So, um, but this is the article that was written in the Washington Post that day. Three months into the coronavirus pandemic, the country is on the verge of another health crisis with daily doses of death, isolation, and fear generating widespread psychological trauma. Federal agencies and experts warn that a historic wave of mental health problems is approaching. Depression, substance abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicide. Just as the initial outbreak of the novel coronavirus caught hospitals unprepared, the United States mental health system vastly underfunded, fragmented, and difficult to access before the pandemic, is even less prepared to handle this coming surge. That's what keep, is keeping me up at night, said Susan Borgia, who leads, leads the Traumatic Stress Research Program at the National Institute of Mental Health. I worry about the people the system just won't absorb or won't reach. I worry about the suffering that's going to go untreated on a large scale. The issue that I think that we need to look at tonight, or, and, and, and I want to be clear here, if, if, you're, if you're thinking, man, pastor's going to just tell us the all in all that comes to this subject tonight, I'm going to let you down drastically. I'm sorry about that. Uh, in fact, we could probably talk about it biblically even. We could talk about it for months, and you would not exhaust what the Bible has to say on these types of subjects. Uh, but I, I think we need to understand how do we react to life's difficulties and I think we need to think about how do we help others uh, in, in that same goal because it is absolutely the role of the church to assist people in these types of areas if that was if you thought that that's not true if you thought that that should be reserved for the medical community I would stand today and say that that is not true and that would be wrong thinking and that it is absolutely necessary for the body of Christ. So when I say the church, I just don't mean me or I don't just mean the function of this, what happens in this building. I mean the body of Christ, us as individuals, it is absolutely necessary that we are involved in helping people in these areas. And of course, we understand, this is just common understanding, that to assist anyone in anything, you must be able to show them something they don't already know. Right? That's not related to mental health at all. That's just life. If you're, gonna, if you're going to be able to help someone with anything, you're going to have to be able to help them somewhere they've never been, show them at least what the next step is. You might not be able to tell them what the next mile is, but you've got to at least be able to tell them what the next step is to be able to be there and show them the way uh, out of what they're going through. And the segment of this article that really hit me was when they said this, when Susan, who was a leader in the National Institute in Mental Health, this is one of the people that everyone else relies on uh, to make sure we're covered and we can do what needs to be done and help the people that needs to be helped. These are the people we think, when we rest at night, we think they're the ones taking care of it. 
right? When she says, I worry about the people, the system just won't absorb or reach. And when I read that, it struck me in my Holy Ghost, if I can say it that way. It struck me uh, as a Christian and as a believer that that is the issue at hand, that all that humanity can do is create a system. That's all they can do. That's all they're capable. That's all humanity is capable of doing is creating a system. But systems are inherently flawed. They're inherently flawed because they're man-made. Right? And flawed people tend to make flawed things. And so uh, most often they just simply cannot meet the multiplicity of needs that arise in any situation uh, that you may try to fix or organize with some sort of man-made system. And, and so we, I, I want us to understand that. I want us to understand that, that we know the mental health, uh, that mental health cannot be simply categorized in, into a few areas. You can't just put people in, in groups. That's never worked for anything ever. It's impossible to make a list that would cover all the many ways that the human mind can be affected. In fact, I would say that the mental health concern is as vast and complex as the human mind itself. Amen? We barely understand the human mind. We don't even really understand how the human mind works. And I would say that the mental health concern is as vast, amen, and complex as that. Which, which leads me to this. Because, because one thing I do know is I know who created the human mind. Amen. And so I can be overcome with its complexities, and I can be overcome with the vastness of what people are dealing with, and I could say, man, I just could, there's no way I could ever understand what everybody's going through. I could be overcome with it, and therefore just do nothing, or I could remember that there is one who understands every single thing that people are going through. Now, we are, we are very thankful, and I hope you know me well enough to know this, but I'll just clarify. We are very thankful for anyone and everyone that is working to help in this area. We are thankful for people who, who go to college and get educated and spend their days trying to help people in this area. And we are, we are not in any means, not, not by any way, saying that all of the mental health professionals should just sit down uh, uh, because, uh, you know, you should just trust God and everything will work out. That's not what I'm saying, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What we need to be able to do as believers, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we need to be able to talk about and exemplify what God offers to people who may have this particular battle in their life. What does his word offer us in ways of help? Amen. Because frankly, if you have to have a degree in this area of life to be able to help anybody as a believer, then what, you should have to have a degree in every area of life to be able to help anybody as a believer. You want to you wanna talk to me about my car? Did you go to, did you go to school to, 
Did you get educated in mechanical things? You understand what I'm saying? We don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. But we tend to do that with some of these type of issues, and I think it's mostly because we're afraid, because we're afraid that we don't want to hurt somebody who's already hurting. I don't want to hurt somebody who's already hurting. I don't want to say something wrong. I don't want, to, I don't want them to misunderstand me. I don't want to get into a conversation and get over my head and, 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 and leave them worse off or no better. And so we, can, we kind of can shy away from some of this stuff. I don't believe that in the age that we live in that the church of the living God should be shying away from anything that is hurting God's people, tormenting God's people, or holding God's people back from what he wants for their lives. Amen. So we need to be able to, to talk about it and exemplify. So, so we, first we must emphasize that we believe and have seen God's word to be true. You say, well, why, why is that something that we need to emphasize first? That we, we believe that we have faith. Everybody say have faith. That we have faith that God is real and therefore he is able to help us. Amen. Because unfortunately, now we're talking about what the body of Christ can do. We're talking about what we can do. There are, there, are, there are mental health professionals, there are groups, there are other people trying to do things. But what can we do? Unfortunately, a person who refuses to believe or even give God a chance, in that life, they're just left with the system. They're left with the system. And I hope the system comes through for them. And I hope the system doesn't miss them leave them behind, or go unfunded. These are the flaws of the human system. And so I hope that the system that we read about earlier uh, will be there for them. But so for the unbeliever, suffering with mental health battles, they need Jesus. We know that. They need Jesus. But I want to be clear tonight. Just telling someone you need Jesus is nowhere near enough. I'm going to say that again. Just telling someone you need Jesus is not even close. Not even close enough. It's not even close to what we're actually supposed to do. So this idea that we just go around telling people, well, you just need Jesus. Well, that's, if we, if we could say that to someone and walk away, guess what? We need Jesus. Or we just need to understand him a little bit better. Right? Why do they need Jesus? That would be my question. If I wasn't a believer, if I, if I hadn't experienced the things I've experienced in my life, if I didn't know what I know about the Lord and someone came up to me and I was in, in need and I was, it needed help and I, I was desperate for, for answers and someone said, you need Jesus, whether I said it out loud or not, I don't, I, who knows, but in my heart, I think I would say, Why? Why do I need Jesus? What does he offer that I can't get somewhere else? What does he have available to me that I can't find somewhere else? And then this is where we must get personal. Everybody say personal. This is where we must get personal. This is where our testimony must be told. Why do you need Jesus? Let me tell you. You say, well, they don't ask. Well, just tell them anyway. 
Don't even start with you need Jesus. Just start with your testimony. Amen. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Everybody say they overcame. They overcame. That, that lets us know that they had an obstacle. They had a hindrance. They had an enemy. They had a difficulty. They had a sickness. They had a battle. They had to overcome something. And they overcame. And the Bible says that the blood of the lamb was what made the difference. How many know the blood of the lamb will make the difference in somebody's life still today? Amen. You're not going to find that in a medical journal, but it's true still. The blood of the lamb will make the difference. But also, the word of their testimony was very helpful. The word of their testimony. Now, this speaks, this verse speaks of a group of people. And in this group, it speaks of brethren. The brethren had been accused daily. They had been attacked it is illustrative from a legal perspective uh, that, they were, that they were being accused in a court of law, that they were trying, somebody was trying to find them guilty. And they were sitting there in that judgment, sitting there in that seat of scorn and judgment, being attacked and being accused of, and wanting someone wanting them to be found guilty. Accused means to charge them with some offense. The accuser of the brethren, day and night, was trying to charge people with, amen, their offense. Now, there's the, mental health attacks are often based upon a combination of past and present and future. It's one of the reasons why it can be challenging to discern when you're talking with someone about what is going on, why is it going on, and you're trying to help them. Because it involves the mind. Amen? Because it involves the mind. And so they can be experiencing a very real action in that moment. And that very real action in that moment can be a combination of both the past, the present, and the future. We don't tend to think that way when we're talking with people, do we? We tend to think about the present. What is wrong with you right now, what's going on right now? Can you explain to me what's going on now? They might find difficulty with that because it's hard to put into words a feeling. It's hard to put into words something that's going on inside of you that seems to have a context that spans time. You can't seem to stop it. One minute you're battling in the past, the next minute you're frustrated or worried about the future, the present seems uncertain, and there's fear. And so trying to grasp that can be very difficult for people. And then we find here that with that, the, the weaknesses, failures, mistakes, things that have been done to them, things that they have done in the past are used against the mind in the present. Amen. Now, they're not alone in that. Has anybody ever dealt with that before? I would like you to raise your hand. 
if you've ever dealt with things in your past messing with your present. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> but then the present challenge can cause a person to lose hope in any future betterment. Because that's the way it was, it makes me feel that way now. Because I feel that way now, I don't really have any hope that I'm going to be better tomorrow. Okay? So thus, the great importance of the blood of the Lamb. This is why the blood of the Lamb is so valuable to cover, to cleanse, to heal. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our what? Of our peace was upon who? It was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The blood of the lamb is very important because the blood has the power to cover. Oh, hallelujah. That which the blood belongs to and the blood belongs to Jesus. And so as Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the blood of Jesus can help my yesterdays and my todays and my tomorrows. And where I can't help somebody, the blood of the Lamb can help them. Amen. Sometimes to be able to help anyone in the present can very often mean that you first have to deal with the past. It's important that Christian believers have learned this. It's important that we know this and that we live accordingly. That though a person stumbles and falls, there's something we know that they may not know. That with Jesus' help, you can get up again. You see, there's, there's no... There's no uh, duplicate of that outside of Christianity, outside of, of Christ. There's no duplicate of that understanding that if you fall, you can get back up again. There's no, the devil will try to mimic it, but the problem is, is, is he, he, he doesn't want it to work, so it'll never actually come to pass. He'll try to tell you that you can get back up again. He'll, he'll try to convince you that everything will just be all right tomorrow, but because that's not his desired outcome, he's never going to assist you in that process, and so there really is no true getting up again from those types of things outside of Christ. But believers, uh, those of us who know that there is a different, uh, amen, there's a difference in Christ. Uh, we have to make sure that we don't keep that to ourselves, but that we're telling other people that in Christ, uh, if you fall, you can get back up again. Uh, if Christ, uh, if you make a mistake, uh, you can get back up again. If somebody knocks you down, uh, he will help you up again. Amen. Be empowered by your own experience with the gospel to share your testimony because your experience and your testimony is what is designed to help others overcome. There would be no need for a testimony if it was just designed for me to overcome. The reason why testimony is even a thing that exists is because 
my testimony can help someone else overcome. Testimony means evidence given. So while the accuser sits up there in the court of law and the, and the, and the, and the person sits there in that chair of pain and scorn and confusion and doubt and fear and the accuser day and night is just accusing them, there is the ability for someone to say, I have a testimony. You say, is it that important that I really tell people about my past? You understand, if we want to stay illustratively with the illustration that the Bible uses, that you giving your testimony may simply just be making the devil shut up for a little while. Because he's accusing, accusing, accusing. He's accusing, accusing day and night. He's accusing. But when you say, I have a testimony, you get to speak. And I believe if we continue that illustratively out, it means that you get to speak. The devil doesn't get to speak while you're speaking because you're talking about the blood of the lamb and you're talking about what Jesus has done for you. And even if it just gives somebody a respite for a little while from the accusations of the enemy, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Even if it just gives them a respite. This is why. My, my wife does chaplaincy. This is why this is exploding. These businesses aren't, aren't looking for people to have tremendous life change right there in their place of business. You know what they're wanting? They're wanting those people to just be able to focus on their job. I'm not trying to belittle it, and, and it's very important. <laughs> I'm not. My wife does some good stuff. And they're good people, and the program's good. I'm thankful for it. But these businesses just need people to be able to focus on their job so that they can do the job. Right? And the reason why they're bringing the chaplains to the place of work instead of sending these people to, to chaplains and people after work is because they need them to do the work while they're there. And if they can just get their mind off of their stress, get their mind off of, their fear, their doubt, their discouragement, their confusion. If they could get their mind off of that just for a little while, then they could maybe meet their quota that day. Amen. But hear me, and, that, and that's why, that's good, if they could have a little respite. And if that's all our testimony does for someone, it's good. But I believe that the difference maker is, is that our testimony talks about the blood of the lamb. That's the difference maker. It talks about the blood of the lamb. And that is what they need the most. Testimony, evidence given. So to hide our testimony is to give no evidence of what God has done for us. Do you hear me? If you hide your testimony, you're giving no evidence of what God has done for you. Another important lesson is in the words, they loved not their lives unto the death. 
They love not their lives unto the death. Now, uh, let me just read a couple other versions here. Uh, New International Version. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. The New Living Translation says, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. They weren't, they weren't so in love with life that they were afraid to die. And once again, we see the need from more than a human perspective. When you're dealing with, even with something like mental health issues, the real help has got to come from the Lord. And if the real help comes from, has got to come from the Lord, then you have to have more than a human perspective. Right? So with that in mind, we understand that survival is the greatest motivator from the human perspective. Whatever we must do to stay alive. Survival. That's our, our bodies are designed to survive. It's quite, it's quite incredible, actually, what our bodies do to stay alive. God created us as beings that can, can survive a lot. So, whatever we must do to, to stay alive. But... When all you have is a human perspective, all too often what creeps in is I must stay alive because we are afraid of death. Afraid of death. The fear of death is very often a driver in mental health attacks. It's, a, it's not always so clear cut as that, but it plays out. The end result of is death. Because the person so often is not aware of anything greater than this life. Now we're talking about what can the church do, right? We're talking about what have we learned that helps us. Well, we know James 4. 13 and 15, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. For what that ye ought to say is, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. We know that. We know Isaiah 40 says, the voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? He said, all flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. We understand that, that, that this life is short. We understand as believers in Christ that we are living this life in earthen vessels as it is and that this mortal life is not our only life. 
And you say, well, how does that help us? Well, if, if you don't understand that that helps you, it's probably because you've just been living it for so long, you may have forgotten. But there was probably a time before you knew the Lord and before you fell in love, amen, with the promise of heaven that life mattered more to you than anything in the world. And the fear of death was something that you lived with on a regular basis. But there's something that changes in a person when they realize that this is just momentary. This is just my mortal life this is just here one day, gone the next. It's just a vapor that fadeth away. But then comes heaven. Then comes eternity with the Lord. Then comes that which I've been living for. Amen. 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 It's important that we understand 2 Corinthians 5, 1 and 8, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desire to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. We have a desire inside of us that we would, be, we would live in that house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in the tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life, that mortality, which is what we, hear, we have here, might be swallowed up of life, which is what we are going to have there. Now he that hath wrought us from the selfsame self thing is God, who has also given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Amen. Now, look, I can read that and you can say amen because we've had experiences We've had, we've had experiences in our life with God. We've, had, we've, had, we've got connection to Jesus Christ. We've seen life change in our very lives. We have a testimony. We're covered in the blood of the Lamb. And so we can read something like that and say, Amen. But that doesn't make sense to someone who's not connected to Jesus. My point is simply this, that if we're going to do our part, to help people that are battling in these ways with these types of issues, if we're gonna do our part, instead of just saying, well, let everybody else do their thing and we'll stay out of it. If we're gonna do our part, we've got to get them connected to Jesus. Amen. We've got to get them connected to Jesus, not after they're, they're, they, you know, they've got it all figured out, or at least they've been told they have it all figured out. You understand what I'm saying? We're not, the body of Christ doesn't say, well, you get all your stuff figured out and then, and then you come. How many would say thank you for that? Because if that was the case, there'd be nobody here. I wouldn't be here, you wouldn't be here, none of us would be here. In fact, the building wouldn't even exist. Because there would be no Christianity. There would be no belief at all if that was the case. But that's not the case. But we know we were, we were able to come. We were able to come to Christ even with the battles and the things that were going on in our life, we were able to come. And when we came, though, when we came, we, didn't just, we weren't just told, well, that's still going to be the way your life is. No. 
Somebody began to talk to us about the blood of the Lamb. Somebody began to tell us about what Jesus could do in our lives based upon what he had done in their life. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Amen. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men, not just believers, we are of all men most miserable. You see, even, even believers are miserable if their only hope in Christ is in this life and what he can do for me in this life and what this life is about and how great this life can be. If that's the case for believers, then what then for an unbeliever? What hope do they have? So the believers can't live that way because if the believers live like they love life so much that they don't ever want to let it go, I just, I, want, I just want everything to do with this life and I'm scared of death and I don't want to die and I don't want to go into eternity. If believers live that way, how are we ever going to help an unbeliever? Amen. So to, to help the people that we love to be victorious in their mind, we must get them to Jesus. All they need to begin with is to give God a chance that they might have a personal experience. I'm not saying the full gospel. I'm just saying they just at the beginning need to feel Jesus. Amen. Now, this is one of the reasons why it's important that we must walk in the Spirit, we must live in the Spirit, because we cannot rely on this physical location being the only place that someone might feel Jesus. That's not good enough for them. They deserve better than that. They're, ch they're ch children of the king. They deserve better than that. They need somebody who in the moment, at the time, in the opportunity, they can feel Jesus there. Because if they get that chance to have a personal experience, an experience that brings even the smallest bit of faith that God is real into their heart, it is enough. It is enough because then, then we can begin to look at some other things that the Bible tells us. We can look at some verses like Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, you could begin to talk with a person about that. As soon as they get any little bit, even the mustard seed that possibly God is alive and that maybe he could help them, then you can begin to say, that's faith. That's faith. And faith is the substance of things you hope for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So, so, so what do you want to change in your life? What would you like to be different than it is now? What are your concerns, your doubts, your fears? What is it that 
is weighing on your mind that you wish wasn't there. What attacks, what accusations are going on inside of you that you wish you could change because because that little bit of faith that you have, that's the substance of the things you hope for. That's enough to begin to see some of the things that you hope for to actually begin to come to pass before any of us had evidence to present to to others as a testimony. Before we ever had any of that, we first had evidence that only existed in faith. You understand that? Before we had a testimony, at some point, faith entered into us. uh, And at that point, all we had was the hope that something was going to be different, that something was going to change, that my life still had purpose and meaning and I could overcome. We didn't have the testimony yet. We were still in the test. We didn't have the testimony, but faith was the thing we first grabbed hold of. And when your world is spitting and when you don't know the answers and when you can't even explain to someone what is really going on because you don't really know, just being able to grab a hold of something is worth everything. And that something can be faith. That something can be faith. Amen. And Hebrews 11 continues Verse 6, and then we can say, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. But now this is the point that they need to hear. That he is a rewarder of them that seek him. Amen. You have faith. Yeah, I might, I might, have, I might have a little bit of faith. I'd, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe there is, maybe there is a God. Maybe, maybe this, I never really considered it before. I, I've always just kind of looked at life, you know, without that. I never was a spiritual person. Or I never went to church or I never really thought about that way or, or I used to be a believer, but I haven't believed in a long time. But maybe you're right. Maybe there, this Jesus can do something for me. Maybe, maybe there is a God in heaven that really does care about me. Maybe there's some things that are real. That's faith. That's faith. And that faith can then be combined with the promise that if you have that faith, God is a rewarder of those that will seek after him. Oh, hallelujah. Simple faith, beginning faith is enough to please God. And with that, we learn that powerful life-changing lesson. He rewards those who seek him. Who seek him. And what does seek him even mean? How do I even seek him? You know, one thing you don't want to do with someone that is dealing with this in, 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 in their life is you don't want to just bring a whole bunch of, you don't want to dump a bunch of complexity onto them. They don't, they don't need that. They don't need somebody to come with, you know, <laughs> just, you don't start just dumping scriptures on them. They need to know some, some simple truths. A little bit of faith allows you to, to seek after things that you hope for. 
And when you seek after those things, God, who's pleased by that little bit of faith, rewards you because you seek after him. Right? He says it very simply when he says, seek and ye shall find. Right? Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. It doesn't get much simpler than that. Knock, and he opens the door. If you seek it, you will find it. Right? He doesn't, he's not trying to make it overbearing. He's not trying to make it so much that they say, oh, that's just too much. I can't handle all that right now. He's trying to get them to see that he will speak to them. Help them, encourage them, strengthen them, meet them where they are. And we need to understand that because that's our purpose and our goal is to be the hands and feet of Christ. And the system, the system may, may miss them and the system may, may take their name and their information and put them on a list and never, never get around to them. But God is not a man-made system. And he's not confined by man's limitations and ignorance. He can and will help anyone and everyone that seeks him. The only qualification is seek him. That's it. That's the only qualification at the beginning of faith, at the beginning of a relationship with God, at the beginning of, what, uh, uh, of trying to get that, that you're trying to get to. The only qualification is just seek him. Call on his name. Say his name. Just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. I can't tell you how many times that that has that has been my answer to very complex things that people have presented to me. What do I do? Call me up on the phone in the middle of desperation. Pastor, this is what's happening. This is what I'm dealing with. I can't quite explain it. I'm battling. I'm, I can't sleep. I don't know. I'm about to do something I wish I would never. I don't know what to do. You say, well, Pastor, what's your great answer? Most of the time, I just say, Jesus. I just try to get them to say Jesus. Because if I can say Jesus, knowing in fullness of faith who he is and what he's capable of in heaven, a, a long testimony of power, and how wonderful and gracious and kind and merciful and all of these things that he is, if I can say Jesus and I can get them to just say Jesus, uh, whether they know anything about what they're talking about or not, or could explain anything about God at all, if I could just get them to have enough faith to just say Jesus, I promise you I've seen it over and and over and over again, the power of God will take over from there. Amen. And so we see, we see this, and we see what God has to offer. And let me go quickly now, because we want to get to communion before we leave. We see, we get them to that place to seek him, and then we can begin to talk about what God has to offer. Things like 1 Peter 5 and 7, where it says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
Oh, that's a wonderful verse of scripture. I sometimes feel like that we have to be careful as apostolics because some of these scriptures, we say them so often, we hear them so often, they come flowing out of our mouths without difficulty that we kind of lose all connection to what it really means sometimes. But that's a powerful verse of scripture that means something to someone if in their time of despair, in their time of need, he offers a place to go with your cares. Think about that. And that word care, in in a lot of other translations, it doesn't say care. It says worry, or it says anxiety, or it says something like that. Casting all your worry, casting all your anxiety, casting your your fear or your concern or your overwhelming burden that you don't know what to do with, casting all your cares upon him. He says you can throw your cares on him. There is no human equivalent to this. I want you to think about it. There's no human equivalent because you and I, as much as we should make ourselves available to help people with their concerns and help them with their cares, if they were to throw all of their cares on us, we would be just as ill-equipped to be able to handle all of their cares as perhaps they are. There is one place, however, where they can go with all of their cares and they can throw them, casting them, throwing them onto Jesus. And the simple reason why they can do this is because he careth for you. He careth, he careth for you. And so he offers himself. Jesus doesn't make suggestions for places to look. That's why, that's why offering Jesus is such a wonderful thing that we get to do. And once again, I'm thankful for people with degrees and practice and all of this and all the things that they're doing. Thank God for them. But the beauty of being a part of the church and what we get to do is we get to offer something. Oh, hallelujah. That can be the end of places for them to search. We can say, if you'll take it to there, you won't have to look anymore. If you'll you'll get connected to Jesus, it'll be the last place You have to search. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible tells us all of her money had been given to all of the doctors, and she was worse off than she ever was. And that's not a, I feel my, I'm trying very hard to be nice to people. (laughs) I'm thankful for doctors. Amen. But in that specific instance, amen, she had been all of her money, time, and energy, and she was worse off than she had ever been in her life. But when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, that was the end of her journey for healing. Because Jesus doesn't have to think about whether or not he wants to help you. He doesn't even know, except the Bible says that virtue flowed out of him. And he says, who touched me? For I have felt virtue flow out of me. She didn't have to fill out a form. She didn't have to wait in a room. She didn't have to get on a list. She didn't have to take a pill. She just had to get to Jesus. Jesus doesn't make suggestions for other places to look. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto thee. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
He says that with boldness because he's the one backing it up. Amen. I've never recommended a doctor in my life. Never once. And I've had some good doctors, but I don't want to be. You pick your own doctor. You come back to me on next Sunday and be like, why in the world did you tell me to go to that guy? That butcher. That's your call. You better pray and ask God to help with that one. I'm not recommending that. But I can recommend Jesus. And Jesus recommends himself. Hallelujah. He recommends himself. The previous verse to that one where he says, peace I leave with you and peace I give unto you, the previous verse is essential to the understanding of how he gives this peace in John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now you say, well, is, that, is it really necessary to talk about how they need the gift of the Holy Ghost? No, but you can talk about the comforter They might not be ready to hear about speaking in tongues, but they are ready to hear about comfort. I promise you, they want to hear about comfort. Oh, hallelujah. So that's another reason why we lead people. We lead people to Christ. We lead them through the gospel. We don't just throw it at them. We lead them through it. The Spirit of God is a comforter. That's a great necessity for peace. With knowledge of God and what he can do, we can grow stronger. We begin to learn things like Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He starts out with, seek me and you will find me. See it? You start with, just say Jesus. But as they begin to have some experiences and they begin to maybe think, well, maybe this might work. I actually do feel a little bit better. I actually do feel a little bit of comfort. I, I, I woke up better this morning than I was yesterday. You're talking to them on the phone. They're saying, I've had the best couple of days than I've had in a long time. Well, guess what? After he says, seek me and you shall find me, he, there's other verses of Scripture that talk about prayer. They talk about thanksgiving. They talk about that, how we make our requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Passeth understanding. You know what that means, that phrase? It means it's superior to human intellect. It's a superior way than the human system that may not get to you and may not reach you. And finally, at least for this lesson, Paul writes this. Stand with me if you would, please. Amen. Paul writes a prescription out. Paul is not the great physician, but here I see him get his prescription pad out, and he writes a prescription. It's not a pill with a long list of negative side effects. It's a daily dose of what's good for us. And he says in Philippians 4, and you know it because I've told you to you a hundred times, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, 
Think. Think. Why? Why must we think? Because the one who knows the vast complexity of the human mind, the one who created the human mind and knows fully what it's capable of, he knows that if you're going to keep this thing in right order and in subjection, you're going to have to start taking some control over what you think. Think on these things. The things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Shall. Shall is the, 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 the foundational, fundamental, promised word of God. When he says shall, ain't nothing. Ain't nothing that can change it. But you got to think on these things. Amen. You got to think on these and these things. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.